Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Podcast. Located in the heart of Victoria, BC, we are a church that seeks to renew our community through the gospel. For more information, visit centralbaptistchurch.ca. Well, what a wonderful service this has been so far, hasn't it? My, my heart's already full. How's yours? I just, I don't even know why I have to come up. I think to myself, aren't we done now? That was incredible. Let's just keep the music going. Uh, but I get a little spot now. My name is Barton Preve. In case you don't know me, I'm also one of the pastors here. And what I want to do for just a few minute, minutes now as we kind of come towards the end of our time together this evening is to talk about how we should respond to the birth of Jesus, the birth that we just have sung about, watched videos about, and celebrated together. And to do that, I want us to go back in history to the time of Christ's birth and to reflect on three responses that people had when he was born. Three different people, three totally different responses, and really these three responses represent the three responses that we all have to Christ. These have been repeated down through the generations, and they are still, to this very Christmas, really the three responses that people have to Jesus and to his birth. So what are these three responses to Christ and his birth? Well, we can kill him, ignore him, or crown him. Kill him, ignore him, or crown him. So let's look at these characters together as part of the birth story of Jesus, and let's reflect for ourselves on what our response is to the birth of Christ this evening. The first response that we can have to Jesus, it's pretty dramatic, but it is to kill him. Historically, we see this in the character of King Herod. Here is what we read in Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So Herod is the king over this area at this time, and Herod thought to himself, as most kings do, there is only room for one king in this part of the world, and that is me. And he heard news that there was being born now a king, a king of the Jews, a king who in his mind, of course, is going to rise up and probably would take his spot and vie for his supremacy. And so he thought to himself, this baby must be removed before he can grow up and be a king. I'll kill him before his influence can grow and spread throughout society. And so we read these terrible words and this terrible event. Herod sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all the region who were two years old or under. In other words, tried to kill all within this certain area in hopes that he would kill this baby who was to be born king of the Jews. What a horrific event. Injustice then, as there are so many injustices now. But Mary and Joseph managed to escape with baby Jesus before this slaughter took place. But the hostility towards Jesus did not cease just around his birth and his early years. The hostility towards Jesus also continued throughout his lifetime. And this happened in part because of what Jesus said about who he claimed to be. He claimed to be none other than God come down to us in human flesh, that God is walking amongst us. He called people to give their lives to him, to give him complete allegiance. He called people to say, you need your sins forgiven, and I am the one who is able to do that. 
But of course, Jesus' call, his kingly call for total allegiance clashed with anyone's personal desires because we're all kind of our own kings and queens. And wherever his call for allegiance went out, oftentimes he was met with outright hostility. And of course, this all came to a head when he was in his mid-30s and he was arrested. And we read that he came before crowds and this crowds, the crowds cried out and they said, away with him, away with him, crucify him. And of course, they did exactly that. The first response that some people have to Jesus coming into the world is to try to kill him. And of course, that response continues right into our day. Look up something like the Voice of the Martyrs Online, which tracks Christian persecution around the world, and there are governments today where they make it illegal to worship Jesus and to believe in Jesus, to be one of his followers, and to do so means you will be persecuted and you may even face death. And while this is thankfully not the case here in Canada, there are, of course, people who are hostile towards Jesus, who view Jesus and who view Christianity as a threat to the good of society and would like it removed and actively sometimes work to remove any possible influence that Jesus might have. In other words, as long as Jesus is kept private, as long as he's kept hidden behind church walls, that's no problem at all. But you can see the hostility in some people if you just start talking about Jesus and his claims, his claims to be the only way to God, Jesus' claims and what he taught about sexuality, Jesus' teachings that we are all sinners and that we all need forgiveness and that he has come to grant it and we must come to him. Many, when they hear these words or when they encounter Christ in this way, choose the path of Herod. They choose to respond by trying to kill him, that is to remove him from their own lives, and from his influence upon society. That's the first response that some people have towards Jesus. It's the most dramatic. But I don't think here in Canada, here in Victoria, it is the most common. In fact, I would say the second response to the birth of Jesus is probably the more common one. The second response is not to kill him, but simply, in the second place, to ignore him. At the time when Jesus was born, Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor of this time, declared that every single person in the Roman Empire had to go to their hometown in order to register their names so that they could be counted in kind of the, the census of the, the Roman Empire at this time. And so Joseph takes Mary and he takes her to his hometown in Bethlehem. And there they go to check into one of the local inns, one of the local hotels. And they are told, maybe by an innkeeper, that there is no vacancy. There is no room for you here, even though Mary is very pregnant at this time. We don't know the exact details of this story. We're not sure if it was exactly the innkeeper himself who said there's no vacancy or someone else. But let's go with the innkeeper. It makes a lot of sense. And you can just imagine his thought process. He comes to the door and he says, well, I mean, I, I wish I could help. I really do. But uh, this is a very busy time and we got a global census going on right now. Uh, I am very busy. This place is absolutely packed. Uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I've got a lot of work to do. There is a stable. If you'd like to sleep in there this evening, you can. You're welcome to use it. But I got to go, get going right now. I got a lot on my plate at this moment. Something like that. And so this innkeeper missed the birth of Jesus. Note this, not because he was hostile, but simply had too many other things going on, too many things to really pay attention to what this event might be, too much busyness uh, 
to ask any questions or to inquire as to what might be happening that night. And so we read these words in Luke. And Mary gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It seems to me that this is probably the most common response to Jesus of people here in Victoria and within our larger nation. I don't think most people in Victoria are hostile uh, towards Jesus or towards even Christianity. In fact, many people would say, I think Jesus was a great teacher. Uh, I think Christianity is an influence for good upon society. I'm not responding at all like Herod. Many people take this kind of view. Yet, most people really are also like the innkeeper. They can't find room for Jesus their lives are just too busy. I mean, we got jobs to work, we got bills to pay, vacations to plan. Uh, we, got, we got all these things that we got to figure out. And besides all of this, we're trying to get through a global pandemic right now. Life is very busy, it's stressful, and it's full. And so people just end up in their response ignoring the birth of Jesus. But as an old Scottish preacher named James Stewart once said, Christ refuses to be ignored. There are many facts that we can ignore, many events that we can ignore. I can ignore the existence of the Queen of England. I can ignore any news events that happened in Sydney, Australia today. But there are many facts, there are many events that I cannot ignore, you cannot ignore, without serious consequences like the red light that's in front of me, like my mortgage payments, like my wife and my four children. And the one thing that I cannot ignore is Jesus. You see, the message of Christmas is part of the larger Bible story, and it's when you understand this story, you realize, I can't ignore this. I either have to go with it, or I have to go against it. There is really no middle ground that I can just ignore it, because the larger story of the Bible is that although God created us and gives us life and breath and everything else, every single one of us have turned away from him, have not loved him, have not thanked him, have not given him the worship that is due to him. This is what the Bible calls sin. And for our sin... We all stand under judgment. We all stand under condemnation. But as Scott said earlier, the good news of the Bible is that God is a God of love. He does not want to condemn us. In fact, the great story of the Bible, and this is where Christmas now comes in, is God found a way to rescue us. God found a way to save us, and that way was to send his very own son into this world. That is the message of Christmas. This is why Jesus has come. So Jesus is not just some other teacher in history like Buddha who you can kind of ignore him or you can pay attention to him. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Jesus is not like that. Jesus is God come to us in human flesh, come to us saying, the way to be rescued, the way to be saved is to come to me. That is the way, and I've provided it for you. You can ignore it, but you can only ignore it like you ignore a red light. As Jesus himself said, whoever believes in God's Son, that is, you don't ignore him, you pursue him, you believe in him, is not condemned, you're freed, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. You've ignored him. And so we may ignore him, but he refuses to be ignored. And he says that how we respond to him will determine our eternal destiny. Well, let us turn to the final response that we can have to Jesus' birth this evening. Herod's answer was to try to kill him. The innkeeper, if it was indeed the innkeeper, was to ignore him. But the proper response is not to kill him and not to ignore him. It is to crown him. 
to crown him. And what I mean by that is to bow the knee to Jesus to say, you are the king, you are the savior, to seek his pardon for our sins, to commit our entire lives to him. To, to see this example in kind of his birth and young years story, we could look at the wise men that we just read about who came and gave worship to Jesus. But I'd actually like to take us to another character who appears in the story of Jesus' early years and his birth narratives. His name is Simeon. Simeon is an old man. And here's what we read about him in Luke chapter 2. And it had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now just camp out on those two words. Christ, just so you know, is not Jesus' last name. Uh, It's not a swear word. Christ is a title. Christ means Messiah. Christ means God's chosen one. You see, God had promised long before the time of Jesus that he was going to send a king. And that this king, listen to this, would do for you what you cannot do for yourself. That this king would defeat the enemies that you and I cannot defeat. Our greatest enemies. First of all, the enemy of our own sin. No matter how many good things we do, we cannot atone for the things that we have done wrong. And death, the greatest of all our enemies. No one beats death. This king, Jesus, or the God had promised, is going to come and is going to defeat that enemy. And evil spiritual powers who influenced the world for terrible purposes, God's promised king would come, defeat all of our enemies for us, and make the world right again. And the great promise was he would give this world and all of these gifts to anyone who would bow the knee to this king. A simple act to give one's life to this long-promised king. So Simeon and all the other Jewish people were looking for the fulfillment of this promise. We cannot wait. When, O God, when is this promised king going to come? The world is filled with injustice. There's so many things wrong. How long, O Lord, until you send this king? Simeon is waiting and waiting. He's waited his whole life. And when Mary and Joseph bring the child Jesus to the temple to be dedicated, we read these words. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen, I've seen your salvation. What is he looking at? What is the rescue? What is the salvation? It is this child that he's holding in his arms, this child named Jesus. Friends, this is the message of Christmas, that Jesus is God's long-promised Messiah and King, that Jesus is the one that God has sent to rescue us. The hard news of Christmas, the thing that is so hard to accept and is the thing that keeps everyone who doesn't come to Christ from doing so, is that we cannot save ourselves. We've got to come to that place where we realize, I can't do it. Sure, I've done some good things in life, but I cannot atone for my mistakes. I cannot beat death. I cannot save and rescue myself. I need a king who is strong enough, powerful enough, gracious enough to rescue me. I mean, don't you long for that? Don't you long for a world where things are made right again? I know we all do. We, don't you long for a world where racism does not exist? Where there are no mental health problems at all? 
A world where cancer and COVID and murder are forgotten words because they never ever happen, so we don't even know what those words mean again. Listen, this is why Jesus came into the world. He is the king who has the power to atone for our sins through his death on the cross. He is the king who has the power to defeat all of our enemies, especially our worst enemy, death. He is the king who has the power to fix all that is wrong with this world and to make it all right again. And the Bible declares that a day is coming when Jesus is going to return a second time to complete all that he began the first time. And on that day, God will renew the earth Ridded of all the evil and injustice, no more of that kind of stuff in the world, and God will dwell with his people on the earth. Listen to how God promises this is all going to turn out in the end. In the last page of the Bible, here's what we read He will, God will, on that day, wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. The whole story of the Bible is that Jesus is God's long-promised king who has come to rescue us. Then the question is to us, how will we respond to God's king? Do you want your sins forgiven? Sure, you've done some good things, but what about those things that weren't? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want to pass safely through death? Do you want to enter a world that is free of all injustice, evil, and pain? Here's the best news. God offers it all for free. It's all free. You don't have to earn it. He doesn't say, well, if you want this, uh, you're going to have to pay three and a half million dollars, then you can have it. It's not like people who get to ride spaceships and go to outer space You know, you don't have to be the rich and the powerful. You don't have to be the smart. It's a free gift. But like all the gifts you're going to open tomorrow, you only get to enjoy the gift if you receive it. And so the message of Christmas is, will you receive Jesus? Will you come to him and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive my sins. I want to give you my life. I want you to rescue me. How will you respond to the birth of God's king in the world today? Will you choose the path of Herod, the path of the innkeeper, or the path of Simeon? I want to give you an opportunity right now, if you'd like to, to respond to that good news, to receive Jesus Christ. And so what I'll do is I'll put a sample prayer on the screen for you. These are not magic words at all, but if you pray them from your heart, if you're saying, God, I I want this, These are words just to help put language to what we can express from our hearts. Then Jesus is the king who will defeat all the enemies that you cannot defeat. He'll do it all for you, and he'll do it for free. So if you'd like that, why don't you pray along with me? I'll pray it, and you pray it as well in your own heart. Pray these words, something like this. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for me that I may be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my king. Amen. 
If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Church Podcast.